Welcome to our event, our event this afternoon on what is next for Europe's banking system. It's a great pleasure to uh, welcome and host today uh, Valdis Dombrovskis, Vice President of the European Commission, who is now in charge of uh, the financial and banking portfolio um, after Jonathan Hill's uh, departure from the European Commission. And I'm also glad to welcome Reza Mogadam, who is uh, not an unknown figure in, in Brussels in his previous position, um, but who is now uh, the Vice Chairman for Sovereigns and Official Institutions at Morgan Stanley, based, based in London. So I think the big topic, of course, is, uh, is Brexit and how, how Brexit uh, will impact the shape of the financial system, which currently is very much um, concentrated and located in the city of London for, uh, for the European Union. And where after Brexit, depending on the future arrangement that will exist, uh, quite a number of obstacles could emerge uh, for um, uh, trading banking services um, across, um, across the channel. And just to give one number um, from uh, work that ongoing work at, at Bruegel, um, so if you just take the investment banking that is being provided out of London uh, to the European Union, um, we uh, come up with uh, an amount uh, that is close to 2,000 billion uh, uh, euros in terms of assets. Could be more. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a guess, but it's an informed guess. Let's let's put it this way. Um, and that, of course, is not an insignificant amount of money. It is basically the size of um, French GDP. Um, and as you can imagine, um, uh, we should avoid um, that there's major disruptions on this that could harm the financing um, of the, the economy on the European side. Now, whether that is the case or not, uh, I think is a big debate um, and certainly one of the topics we will discuss we will discuss, discuss today. So Valdis has, has agreed today to, to present his vision um, also for, for Europe's uh, banking system, but also to talk about, I think, the more short-term, medium-term regulatory agenda. Um, and so I very much look forward to, uh, to your comments, um, and your, your speech, your keynote speech, and then uh, Reza will react, and you know, then I will open it up so that everybody in the room gets a chance to, to ask a question or make a comment. Valdis, please. Thank you. So, uh, ladies and uh, uh, gentlemen, first of all, I would like to thank Bruegel for this uh, uh, invitation and uh, for the uh, opportunity to uh, set out my approach to regulating Europe's banking uh, sector. Subdued global growth, uh, Britain's referendum result, and last week's uh, American uh, elections all mean uh, I do so against the backdrop of increased uncertainty. This environment makes the need for predictable, level-headed uh, policy more important than uh, ever. From the macroeconomic perspective, this means sticking to our plan, pursuing responsible fiscal policies, undertaking structural reforms to increase Europe's competitiveness, and support investment and create jobs to reduce inequality. It sharpens our focus on making sure no one is left behind. In the area of financial services, it underscores the need for stability, for the certainty that businesses need to thrive, and for a framework in which safe banking sector can play its full part in building a more prosperous Europe. Banks have a fundamental role to play in our society. We depend on their lending for companies to invest, remain competitive, and sell into the bigger markets, and so that households can plan ahead. In practice, this means the European Commission is focusing on maintaining a regulatory framework that encourages a banking sector that is stable, sustainable, diverse, and integrated. By stable, I mean a banking sector that is governed responsibly and has a capacity to withstand economic shocks without the financing of Europe's economy being jeopardized. By sustainable, I mean banks that are able to earn fair returns or their investments, compete internationally, and therefore maintain and expand lending to the wider economy. By diverse, I mean a sector that is able to respond to the whole range of financing needs, 
from small loans to family business, uh, businesses to hedging multinational companies, banks of diverse sizes and with different business models. And by integrated, I mean the sectors that competes freely across a single market, supporting the efficient allocation of capital and diversifying risk. This is particularly important in the euro area for a smooth transmission of monetary policy. But if this is our approach, uh, if these are the objectives of our framework, uh, we then need to be clear on our banking sector's uh, uh, performance and tackle head-on the significant challenges it still faces. Recent reforms have made our banking sector more stable and resilient. Overall, the sector is much better capitalized as it has been shown by recent stress tests. Banks have raised more than 800 billion euros in capital since the financial crisis. The average capital ratio in 2015 for banks was at 13.2%, four percentage points higher than in 2011. Monetary policy has also helped to improve credit growth in Europe. In the euro area, the European Central Bank has provided abundant liquidity, including through long-term refinancing operations. It launched a large asset purchase program and cut interest rates to record low levels. Elsewhere in the EU, central banks are also pursuing accommodative monetary policies. This is having an effect on the demand and supply of lending. Credit growth has been uneven, but overall lending to non-financial companies in the EU has increased by 1.2% so far this year. And total lending by euro area banks grew by 1% in 2015. Banks have eased access to finance to the private sector. The cost of new uh, corporate loans has fallen significantly in a number of countries, such as Portugal, Italy and Spain. As regards credit, we are starting to move in the right direction. But Europe's weak recovery, low inflation and low interest rates are putting pressure on banks particularly those reliant on net interest income. Analysts have forecast returns on equity to fall further over the next five years. This outlook weights on a bank's share prices and decreases their returns on capital. This environment means uh, banks across Europe are updating their business models. At the moment, it is clear that parts of our banking sector do not have the scale or, in some cases, the expertise to make the most of the technological change. Digital payments and other innovations are developing rapidly. European banks will help to seize on digital innovations and work them into their business models. The Commission is working to keep on top of digital trans uh, transformation across all sectors. We want to foster innovations, give businesses the space to adapt and make most of it. But we need to monitor changes closely to keep uh, our existing rules fit for purpose. Yesterday, the Commission set up a fintech task force to do just this. It will include experts on financial services regulation, but also specialists in technology, data, and competition policies. Post-crisis challenges uh, are also still being dealt with. In some countries, high levels of non-performing loans and outstanding restructuring needs put narrowing bank profits margins under pressure. We have made great strides uh, forward in setting up a banking union, but the regulative framework for banks has yet to be fully implemented. A number of gaps need to be filled to mitigate systemic risk and encourage pan-European banking activities. A strong banking sector in Europe is a diverse banking sector. We need small banks servicing local communities and businesses, and larger banks operating and lending right across the single market. So, if we are serious about wanting an integrated sector to absorb shocks and facilitate the transmission of monetary policy, we need a clear European framework. In response to these very real challenges, some might be tempted to reverse the reforms we undertook during the crisis, to lower requirements, or give up on following international standards and the single rulebook. Uh, but this would just create more uncertainty and instability. It would undermine a regulatory architecture that puts uh, banks back on the heart of our economy, trusted and relied upon by businesses and households alike. 
So my goal is to strengthen confidence and stability in the sector by building on our new regulatory architecture to reduce risks and complete the banking union. At the same time, we need to adjust our framework where necessary to make it more proportionate and growth-friendly. These twin priorities have underpinned our upcoming proposals to revise the capital requirements regulation and directive. And they will be also our approach to the measures still being discussed internationally, currently not covered by our upcoming proposals. For more resilient banks and to enhance financial stability, we will integrate standards into European legislation recently agreed by the Basel Committee. So we'll integrate those standards which had been recently agreed by the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision and Financial Stability Board. We will make sure fully, uh, Europe fully tackles the risks linked to the global and systemically important banks and we will propose they hold a minimum total loss absorbing cap uh, capacity so that they can absorb losses better and we can be sure that even the most systemically important banks can, if necessary, be resolved. Europe has established a new bank resolution framework only uh, a couple of years ago. This framework reminds the right one to resolve uh, ailing banks and limits the impact on financial stability and taxpayers. So we want, uh, we want to maintain this framework and to incorporate the uh, TILAC rule into the existing minimum requirements for own funds and eligible liabilities, or MREL. We expect up to the 13 banking groups would have to comply with the TILAC standard in the EU. Where uh, other banks pose uh, similar uh, systemic risk, we expect uh, resolution authorities to deal with this on a case-by-case basis under the EMRAL. We will introduce a binding leverage ratio of 3%. Cheap credit can give rise to excessive leverage building up in the financial system. Bank banks have learned this lesson from the, from the financial crisis. So to avoid repeating past mistakes, we will add the leverage ratio alongside risk based on funds requirement in the capital requirements regulation. Put simply, this leverage ratio will act as a backstop to banks' internal model-based capital requirements. Uh, we remain fully engaged in an ongoing Basel Committee discussion on the appropriate leverage ratio for GSIPs and make sure any agreement is applied in the, in the way that works for Europe. We will introduce a net stable funding ratio or NSFR. This will require banks to finance their long-term loans with stable sources of funding and strengthen banks' ability to handle periods of market stress better, such as after the UK referendum or during the last Greek crisis. The NSFR uh, will aims to limit over-reliance on the wholesale funding during times of ample market liquidity and encourages better assessment of liquidity risk across the board. We also want to clarify how Pillar 2 capital requirements should be applied by national supervisors and increase transparency by introducing disclosure obligations in this area. Banks operate in global markets. It makes sense to implement international standards to encourage a level playing field and sound regulation internationally. But we will also work to make sure that our, regulators, uh, our uh, regulation works for Europe to prevent unintended interaction with existing rules and support banks' lending capacity to the European economy. With this in mind, the feedback from the call for evidence on financial services has helped shape the upcoming legislative proposals. We will propose to introduce uh, SME supporting factor to all SME loans and apply similar measures to infrastructure finance. We will propose bank capital charges for investment in infrastructure projects to be reduced, providing these comply with criteria which lower risk profiles and increase the predictability of cash flows. Where we can, we will reduce the administrative burden linked to some rules in the area of remuneration. And our proposals will strengthen the proportionality of banking prudential regulation and make changes to reduce reporting burdens. We would like to see lighter disclosure requirements for small credit institutions and simplify approaches for trading-related capital requirements. Our revisions to the capital requirements regulation and directive will aim to help banks support deeper and more liquid capital markets in Europe. 
So our proposals will include specific adjustments to avoid disproportionate capital requirements for trading book positions, including market-making activities. We will reduce costs for issuing and holding certain high-quality financial instruments, such as covered bonds, high-quality securitization instruments, or derivatives for hedging purposes. And we will make uh, sure we have the right incentives in place for institutions acting as intermediaries uh, for uh, trades cleared by CCPs. Behind our upcoming proposals, the completion of the banking union remains a priority. We need it for a coherent and predictable regulatory framework, but also to support integrated banking markets across the EU. Risk sharing needs to go hand in hand with risk reduction measures we are incorporating into our legislation. Our proposal for a European deposit insurance scheme would reduce the vulnerability of national deposit guarantee schemes to large local shocks and weaken the link between banks and national governments. By mutualizing national deposit guarantee schemes, our proposal would provide stronger cover for all retail depositors in the banking union and ensure that depositor confidence in a bank would not depend on the bank's location. We are now counting on the co-legislators to take this forward. It is good news that uh, Esther DeLange's draft report is now being discussed in the European Parliament. We will continue to work closely with member states to reduce high levels of non-performing loans. The European Commission is supporting policy responses by member states through its structural reform support service established in July last year. We are already uh, seeing a keen interest from a number of member states to, uh, to, uh, to work with us on, uh, on the, in this area. Uh, at the same time, we are conducting a review of loan enforcement regimes to get a clearer picture of the impact on, uh, on banks in terms of delays, costs and value recovery. In the coming weeks, we will present a proposal for effective arrangements for restructuring viable business debt, uh, giving uh, uh, companies a second chance. Uh, through the European semester process, we have made country-specific recommendations to six member states to address non-performing <coughs> loans. And we are working with national authorities to find, uh, find tailor-made solutions in the framework of existing rules on bank resolution and state aid. As part of the midterm review of the Capital Markets Union, the Commission will assess the case for the development of the secondary market for distressed debt. Together, these priorities make up a balanced approach to the banking sector, to strengthen our regulatory framework and support financial stability, but also support strong European banks, banks that are safe, competitive internationally, and responsible with forward-looking business models. This approach lies behind the Banking Union's proposals already on the table and proposals that we will shortly make to revise the CRR and uh, CRD legislation. It will also underpin our follow-up to the call for evidence, our proposal on central counterparty recovery and resolution, and the review of European market infrastructure regulation. This is an ambitious approach uh, we want to take forward, working closely with industry, consumer groups, member states and the European Parliament. And one I believe can make a real difference to supporting sustainable growth and jobs across the EU. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, uh, Valdis, for this, this very clear speech. So let me get uh, Reza to react and then we start the discussion. Thank you, thank you, Guntram, thank you, Commissioner, for a very clear speech. Uh, I thought perhaps I'll do two things. Give a little bit of market perspective on the banking system, and then also before uh, the Commissioner uh, spoke, I wrote down seven issues for the banking system. Um, I am Persian, and we usually do things in seven, so I wrote down seven, and I think the Commissioner covered most of those. But uh, I thought there would be useful background to, to assess some of the initiatives that uh, uh, the Commissioner is taking. And before uh, I say those two things, I think one point uh, the Commissioner mentioned at the beginning of his speech, I think one has to acknowledge that there has been a lot of progress in the European banking system and the regulatory environment. The Commissioner mentioned uh, capital. Uh, I think if you look at median capital, it has almost doubled since the since the crisis 
uh, tier one capital has doubled. If you look at the, the bank's deleveraging, substantial deleveraging has been, has been done, and therefore their liquidity ratios are much better. And uh, there's been progress on funding side. I think, again, uh, the commissioner touched on some, of, some further progress that needs to be made, but there has been progress on the funding side, and in part thanks to what ECB has done. But let me just uh, provide a little bit of market perspective. I think over the last one to three months, I would say, uh, the market valuation of banks has been volatile but improving. And uh, it has improved a lot over the last few days. Uh, what are the reasons for that? I think there are perhaps two. One is the, the current hope uh, that uh, growth in the U.S. and the rest of the world will pick up partly because of U.S. stimulus in the pipeline. It may be a hope, but that's what markets are believing right now. Um, and secondly, they also are thinking that uh, the regulatory environment for the banks will be easier. So those help valuation right now. Um, but current valuations still tell you that the banks are perceived to be rather vulnerable. And uh, so valuations are much lower in Europe, for example, compared to the, to the US banks. And if you look at analyst recommendations, while perhaps in, in Europe they are, they are becoming more neutral on the banking system, they, in, in the US they are more positive because of some of the other reasons. But what is perhaps interesting uh, to me is at the moment, though, there is appetite for investment into the European banks, and therefore there are prospects of raising more capital if needed. But let me explain that a little bit. I mean, first of all, there hasn't been much equity issuance in the European banks for some time. Since the summer, there hasn't been. But certainly within our, our bank, I hear more uh, analysts encouraging banks to at least look at uh, equity issuance. But here, of course, you need both uh, supply and demand. I think the demand is there, but on the supply side, there is a concern about basically uh, diluting current shareholders. So sure. that's an issue. In terms of debt, also, there is quite a lot of interest. If you uh, look at uh, tier one capital, uh, European banks have, have issued a lot of tier one capital over the last three uh, three years, and perhaps some of that is, is coming to an end. Uh, but uh, what is interesting there is uh, the Commission has been responsive to some of the issues that the banking community has been uh, uh, making in terms of comparability of treatment and the legal framework uh, across, uh, across the countries, and therefore some of the actions you have taken have helped uh, market respond. And the same, there is interest in tier two capital in part because the returns are high. That's a much simpler instrument for, for investors. So the interest in terms of debt tier one and tier two is there, but perhaps we are coming to, uh, to the end of a period where a lot of capital has been raised. But investor interest is there. Markets are focused on TLAC and Emerald going forward. So I think what I would encourage the, the kind of approach uh, that the Commission has had uh, in ensuring consistency and a good framework that can be easily absorbed by the markets on Tier 1 and Tier 2 capital is replicating that as we move forward to uh, TLAC and EMRA. Now, just a few points overall, now taking a step back and looking at the European banking system, just a few points, my, my seven very quick points in terms of looking at a European banking system. Number one, I think there is still concern that there are legacy issues. These are crisis legacy issues, and they are twofold. One, the NPLs. Uh, there is still concern about the resolution of those, and I'll come back to that, and secondly, about profitability. Now, that is understandable given that the balance sheets have been shrinking, that the interest rate environment has not been supportive of uh, profitability for understandable reasons. Uh, growth has not been uh, supportive in the European environment. And of course, the banks have had to deal with fines as a, 
result of past, past behavior. Now, all of those makes, makes the legacy of the crisis still with us and unresolved. Secondly, the regulatory environment, the Commission touched a lot on that going forward. The regulatory environment currently is one which is designed for a, a system that is in steady state. We are not in a steady state. We are still dealing with the legacies of the crisis. And the issue is, is the regulatory environment supportive enough to deal with some of the regulatory issues that still, uh, sorry, for some of the uh, challenges of the banks that still exist, such as the NPFs. Number three, uh, fragmentation. I think a lot of progress has been done on banking union but we are not seeing the full impact of banking union yet because there is fragmentation. Some fragmentation has improved. For example, thanks to the ECB actions, lending rates across countries have converged very much, but cross-border activity still is, is not taking place as much as one would need to take, uh, have full benefits of banking union. Number uh, four, the commissioner mentioned the bank sovereign loops. Again, progress has been made, particularly in terms of bank effects on sovereigns. I, I mentioned that the regulatory, the new BRRD, does impede the ability to deal with MPLs, perhaps. Um, but on the other hand, it protects the sovereign. So that side has been, uh, there's been progress. But progress in terms of sovereigns affecting the banks uh, is uh, still an issue, and if you look at the valuation of banks by country uh, and the risk premium, that is still built in there. And you see, as some countries' uh, CDS spread goes up, so does the bank CDS spreads. Um, number five, the landscape for financial uh, profitability. Uh, I think it is good here that uh, that SSM is very much focused on. Uh, bank profitability and business models. But there is still a question in the markets whether the European banks have business models that are sufficiently profitable moving forward. Number six, again, uh, Commission, you mentioned technology. I think that's an incredibly important issue. You mentioned uh, you have formed a task force to look at this. It is a double-edged sword in the sense that it uh, helps reduce costs in many ways. I mean, for example, all bankers complain about the burden of regulation, uh, and uh, it could help a lot in terms of verification of accounts and therefore uh, uh, implementation of regulation, and also in the speed of settlement, for example, and reducing the cost. But it is also going to challenge the banks because the competitive environment will change perhaps drastically with new players being easily able to enter markets. So I think this is a huge issue, and I think uh, a, a very good focus of uh, what the commissioner mentioned in terms of commission going forward. Finally, uh, you didn't mention much in your uh, speech, uh, commissioner, about the capital markets union. But hmm. I know you are responsible for that. And I think we have to look forward to another speech on capital markets union. I'm sure it is in the pipeline. but. Um, Guntram, you mentioned uh, Brexit. I think capital markets union without London is a huge challenge uh, for, the, uh, for, for Europe going forward. And ideas to rejuvenate that, I know I've, I had, I think I was with a commissioner on a platform in Washington recently and he talked about it in, uh, in detailed terms. I think that is now also an essential element against which we have to judge the soundness of uh, European financial system. Thank you. Great. Um, so uh, perhaps you want to react to some of the points? Otherwise, I would um, mm -hmm. open up. Um. Well, uh, maybe I will react to this uh, last point on uh, capital markets union. Indeed, on this, uh, in this speech, I was uh, uh, concentrating on uh, banking and our upcoming regulatory uh, agenda. I could deliver another 20-minute speech on capital markets union. <laughs> Uh, but uh, indeed, we had been uh, receiving uh, many questions, especially after the British referendum. So now, with the perspective of the largest capital market actually leaving the EU, what is the perspective for capital markets union? 
And uh, to this commission already in September came up with a communication on actually accelerating uh, the work uh, on capital markets union and increasing uh, ambition. So our response is very clear. Uh, capital markets uh, union remains uh, a priority. Uh, we need to finalize the work on legislative files which are already on uh, table like uh, securitization, like prospectus, like uh, uh, venture capital, social entrepreneurship, uh, and, and so on. Uh, we're working on uh, uh, insolvency frameworks. I mentioned this uh, uh, second chance, but also on a broader branch benchmarking of national insolvency uh, frameworks. We finalized the con uh, uh, consultation on European personal pensions product and will be uh, uh, assessing the responses and coming with uh, some proposal uh, how we move uh, forward with uh, this. Uh, we are working on uh, fintech. We are the set a task force on green finance. There is going to be a high-level expert group on sustainable finance uh, and uh, on a, uh, a number of other areas. So uh, capital markets uh, union uh, is uh, clearly uh, the EU's uh, uh, priority. And uh, with uh, the outcome of the British referendum, we actually see that the case is even stronger, that we develop capital markets across the EU and uh, that we, to the extent possible, diversify the sources of financing of European economy. Can, can I ask you on the uh, diversity of the banking system? Because you mentioned that very prominently, that diversity of the banking system is important for its stability. And I think that's sort of a basic, basic insight um, that you know, if a shock hits, the more diverse you are, the less that shock becomes immediately systemic. So in that sense, I, I would agree. Now, at the same time, we have, I think uh, Reza mentioned it very prominently, a profitability issue um, in, in the banking, uh, in part, at least parts of the banking system. And by the way, um, uh, this profitability issue is not something that is extremely recent in terms of sort of an immediate result of quantitative easing of the ECB as is being portrayed in in some uh, in some quarters, if you look at the data, um, some some banking systems have been very little profitable for five or ten, uh, for in some cases for ten years, basically, right? So, so so how how do you square this really? I mean, so, so uh, the profitability on the one hand perhaps not enough, uh, and on the other hand the diversity that you want, and the diversity of course means a lot of different players, small players, and so on. Uh, well, as regards uh, uh, diversity, uh, indeed, as you assessed, the more diverse system is, uh, 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 the better it can withstand uh, different kind of uh, shocks. Uh, but I was mentioning uh, one uh, specific direction of uh, work, which is uh, proportionality. Uh, that if we want a diverse uh, banking system, we also need to be proportionate in our uh, regulation and not uh, uh, hit, so to say, uh, small players with the same uh, regulation as uh, uh, big players. Because clearly for bigger banks and so it's uh, easier to deal with, uh, uh, with uh, existing uh, 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 regulations. So we're very much uh, uh, willing to look uh, that our uh, system is uh, also uh, proportionate, well, based uh, uh, to risk, but also uh, adjusting uh, to the uh, to the uh, uh, size of the banks, and another issue I would uh, highlight uh, on this diversity is that we want uh, to strengthen the bank lending to the uh, uh, SMEs, to the wider economy, and also there we are taking several uh, concrete uh, uh, steps uh, by. Uh, uh, so to say, facilitating uh, uh, bank lending uh, uh, to SMEs. Mm -hmm. As regards uh, uh, profit, uh, profitability, uh, uh, indeed, uh, uh, it's one of the challenges uh, banking sector is uh, facing. Of course, if you look at the wider economy, it's, uh, it's double-ended. Uh, it's normally a common monetary policy is seen as something which is 
uh, at the end of the day, uh, facilitating the economic growth and then beneficial to the wider uh, economy. Uh, but of course, we need uh, to see that there are certain uh, uh, constraints from the banking sector. And you mentioned previous years, it's probably more like an aftermath of the global financial uh, economical uh, crisis. And some of the leg legacy issues, like non-performing loans, are still with us, and we still uh, uh, need uh, to deal with those uh, issues. So it's clear that also the banking sector will need to adapt to this new uh, uh, reality. Uh, I was mentioning uh, uh, some studies which actually do not uh, expect uh, any increases uh, of uh, return to equity in coming uh, years. Uh, and at the same time, banks are uh, confronted with uh, technological change and uh, also still uh, in a process of uh, implementing of a uh, number of uh, regulatory re requirements which came up, uh, up as a response to the uh, crisis. So, indeed, it's quite a challenging environment, something which we need to acknowledge. Okay, so per perhaps before I open up, let me ask one last question, and I cannot resist uh, to both of you, which is on the, on the U.S. election, and we've seen that there were some announcements already to change the regulatory framework uh, uh, for banks. Um, I think also there was an issue about treating differently uh, small, small and big banks uh, in, in the U.S. Um, Reza, you mentioned that the, the, the uh, bank stocks have actually done quite well in the last few, few days. So, so, so how, how do you think will that spill over um, on, the European, uh, on the European continent and what should be the right, the right response? And let me really ask that question to both of you. I don't know, perhaps, Reza, you, you, uh, you, you want to start and then... I think the situation is still unclear. Yes. But uh, I think what I described to you is the market perception. I think speaking as uh, someone for, that works for an American bank, uh, the banking sector is not asking for uh, watering down of Dodd Frank, which is the main regulatory uh, uh, guidance and law that governs our operations. And um, say we have um, almost fully met all Dodd-Frank requirements already. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it is true that uh, uh, banks do complain about the burden of regulation, but there is also equally an acknowledgement now by management of all the banks uh, certainly all the American banks, that the current regulatory environment is necessary and it is also essential to, to give credibility to banking operations. I think if there are concerns, I would say it's not exactly about the regulation, but there are about two things. One, about <coughs> a consistency of regulation across jurisdictions. So I think that's also relevant Global banks, will, uh, international banks, would operate in Europe as well as the US, as well as Asia. So consistency of regulation. Now, that has improved through the crisis. But uh, while uh, there are discussions at the G20 and at Basel level, if those are implemented differently, it causes uh, complications for uh, operations of banks. And the other, which I think um, is important, is uncertainty mm. about regulatory environment. If there is uncertainty as where you are going in the next uh, few months or uh, year, that creates problems in terms of banking operations. And, uh, and I think it's those two aspects rather than, the, uh, rather than the regulation itself. But you are correct, the perception at the moment and the market reaction is to do with uh, impact of not just on growth but also on reduced regulation. Uh, well, uh, I would say uh, it's still uh, early to draw any uh, conclusions. We need uh, to see what indeed the regulatory uh, agenda of the new administration will be and then uh, see how to address. We have established a joint uh, EU-US uh, regulatory uh, uh, forum where we can actually uh, deal with that kind of uh, regulatory issues. Okay, let me open up there. There must be some questions or comments or ideas. Um, 
So, Eric Nielsen, perhaps you start. Uh, there is a mic. There's a mic coming. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Eric Nielsen from Unicredit uh, on the research side. So I'm on the public side here. So uh, I, I have two quick comments and, and two quick questions, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, I just wanted to emphasize this issue of predictability that you talked about and the, the business model. Uh, and you, Commissioner, correctly said there are plenty of, of uh, estimates out there of, of uh, let me put it this way, not returning prospect for better, or prospect of, of better return on, on equity. Uh, at the same time as that's what's needed in a way. Uh, so there's a real question for me on, on the business model, uh, whether tons of chances for the banking system, but it is really, um, if there's not predictability, it's very difficult to go to shareholders. And this is, if I may put it as an encouragement to policymakers, instead of only talking about the banks needing to raise capital, let's talk about those who need to provide the capital, the pension funds, the insurance companies, and others. Tell them why they should buy equity in banks when the performance have been so poor for so long, the worst performing sector, and give them a business model and an environment that where you can persuasively say things would be better. So that's, that would be the comments. I, that, that's necessary. Otherwise, it, it won't work. Um, then um, it, in that prospect or in that context, the, the second comment on the SME loans, yes, you're right. I mean, the numbers are looking a little bit better. But remember, at least working for an Italian bank, the, it's the SME loans which have caused the biggest problem in terms of, of uh, non-performing loans. It's not the sovereigns. It's not anything else than M SMEs. And that's what you try to lend more at. And while I'm a big fan of what the ECB has done, I, so I don't want this to be misunderstood, I think the ECB is doing a fantastic job in trying to stimulate in a very difficult environment. But when they buy increasing number of non-financial corporates, that, that increases the number of, of high-quality corporates, their funding cost relative to the banks, which means that your composition of loans out of the banks are now more towards the more risky ones because the high-quality have a better source, namely by the ECB. So this is okay for a while, but one day it may not be so good because the composition is, is a little bit tricky. And then quickly, uh, two questions. Diversification of businesses, clearly it would be better if, if, if you have a bank that it operates in several European or other countries, you have more stability because business cycle move a bit and you have a better diversification and everything else. Still today, if I'm, if I'm told correctly by my colleagues, we still have at Unicredit restrictions on movement of liquidity between European, bank European countries. So we have a surplus of liquidity in Germany and Austria and, and a small deficit in Italy, but we can't move it freely across to some extent. And the result of that is that the deposit increase we have in Germany and Austria goes into the ECB at minus 0.4, while we have to borrow, admittedly now at very low rates, to, to, to feed the SME loans in, in Italy. So one day we hope to get to a stage where what we want, <coughs> diversified bank, also, management would have the right to move the liquidity freely around inside the Eurozone, or EU, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, so that would, is there hope for that? That was my first question. And the second question, and then I'm done, is the one thing we didn't hear at all was the issue of consolidation of banks. I thought we have agreed that, that there are too many banks, too much banking in Europe, we need consolidation. But when I look around, the banking system. I struggle to find very many banks where I would say, if you put those two or three together, you get a better unit than them. Uh, so the result of, of, if we really want consolidation, that's a question. Is there any way around the business of closing down banks? And is that feasible? Thanks. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we collect a few questions, if you don't okay. mind. Um, are there further questions? You, you, did you have a question, Sebastian? Or, um, yeah, a couple of questions uh, linked to the, uh, the the first two points for, for both speakers, of course, uh, were too. raised by uh, Mr. Mogadam. One on uh, legacy issues and uh, the regulatory environment. I mean, uh, the legacy issues, I see this as uh, 
let's say, conjunctural problem, why there is a structural problem, this is linked to what uh, um, the colleague from uh, Unicredit all said, that's to say that uh, you have still, uh, I mean, although there has been increasing, I mean, uh, attraction and in capital for banks and recently, but you have still a, a big difference between cost of equity and return on equity. And this uh, couples with the low profitability, which seems to be a structural issue. So we need a change in business models, as also has been said, because of technological innovation, et cetera, et cetera. What are the prospects for these reasonable prospects outside of this conjunctural model moment? That's to say, do, do we need uh, uh, mergers, as people say, changes business model? Is that, to, in your view, going to be a support from, uh, I don't know, from Europe, from member states? How to realize that? Because you have, of course, a lot of, uh, I mean, overbranching and uh, employing redundancies. No? <clears throat> so this is, uh, I think, uh, an issue that uh, will have to be faced uh, sooner or later. This is also linked to the stability of the regulatory environment. I mean, I very much agree with you that, of course, uh, a further issue of perceived stability, at least in the market, is regulation continuously moving. It's no fault of anybody. I concur to shaping the regulation here in, in, in Brussels, so therefore it was needed. But certainly this uh, does not help, continuously changing regulation that, as you said, I mean, uh, should be more for the steady state than for uh, this, uh, this moment. So how to do it? On one side, we have to do it. On the other side, I mean, uh, we should have this uh, more for the steady state. Transition helps. This is the question. That's to say, adequate transition, counting also that the markets front-loaded. I mean, uh, the future steady-state regulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. There is a question here. There's a question there. Thank you, um, Simon Ainsworth Moody's. Um, I've just again, I've got a pair of, uh, of points. Um, I think both of which were alluded to by the speakers. Um, one of which is around kind of uh, TLAC and MREL, and clearly that's one of the, the big issues facing banks going forward. But it's also one of the areas where in the banking union we've seen a divergence of approach um, with Germany going down one route, France another route, Italy a third, um, and the UK already had a fourth. Um, can we expect kind of um, the, the package coming forward or future proposals after the package to kind of... Uh, uh, drive some greater harmonization of approach in terms of how subordination will be achieved. Uh, and secondly, um, the Commissioner also mentioned that the, uh, there are various initiatives going on around the work with the Member States on dealing with non-performing loans. Um, clearly we've seen the, uh, one of the impacts of the BRRD has been to uh, hamper the ability to, of states to bail out and to um, provide support to deal with that, and particularly you've seen that in Italy, um, can, do we expect the, kind of these initiatives that are now coming forward from the Commission to actually help unblock that problem? Thank you. Um, are there further questions, comments, remarks? The gentleman here, yes. Good evening, I am Mr. Navas, the CEO of Navas, a Spanish law firm, established in Brussels and known in, in my country. Well, my question is about social uh, aspect that is happening in, in all Europe, that is, I call the no, new uh, poor European. Okay? Uh, Here is the question. The growing financial crisis of 2008 brought to light the complexities and misrepresentation of many structured products. The failure of these investments could be blamed on the structure of the securities were the bullet securities, which were split into different tranches. Under the Spanish law, for example, uh, well, you know, under the Spanish law, and also with, uh, in similar countries like this one, Belgium, Germany, France, or Netherlands, it's possible the securitization of uh, home mortgages implies that the entity that entity that granted the loan is not anymore the creditor of the mortgage, even though it retains legal ownership of the loan and continues to maintain unless otherwise agreed that its administration. Moreover, there is no need to raise the change of ownership, what makes it impossible to the debtor to find out who actually is the creditor of this mortgage. Mm -hmm. In view of the above and regarding this fact stands to most European members, as I said before, 
being nowadays the legal framework in this area so uneven and creating defenseless and abusive legal situations for customers, I formally ask to the Commission the following question, uh, making before the comment that you know that uh, there are uh, examples, like in Germany, Deutsche Bank uh, or American funds, that they are taking out the, these uh, titles. Yeah? The question is, what, what, what does think the Vice President, if uh, under his opinion, is compatible with the directive of 9313 and the European Union regulations, the fact that financial institutions do notify the mortgage debtor about this assignment of receivable, which prevent to the customer the exercise mm -hmm. that has a preference right of, uh, of a third that is uh, buying his debt for a, for a, for a less amount. Okay. It is more worthy and legal the fact that the, 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 the debtor could, for a less price, purchase his own debt and stay with less debt before a third party does it. Is that it? How can the European Commission adopt decisions to prevent these legally appearing abuses and to solve the economic context that the European Union lives now? Is okay. there any? Um, can you uh, come to an end of the question, please? I mean, if. Uh, the legal, if there is any initiative from the European Commission yeah, to wage carefully if there is any abuse on, this, uh, yes. on these operations yeah, and uh, initiate, uh, and also the, the last question is if the Commission is starting any uh, conversation with uh, consumers associations yeah, with uh, investment associations and uh, to, to, see, to find out how to solve the problem of the new ports that is a, is a sad reality in Europe. In our country, there are two, two courts that sent to the Luxembourg court uh, the question of if it is legal. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank you very much. Um, uh, any last question from the audience or otherwise um, let me turn back to uh, to my two speakers and oh there's one more sorry one more and then if you don't okay then. Uh, thank you very much dr wolf uh, my name is jutaro kaneko japan center for international finance i'd like to ask your opinions on in the context of basel 3 finalization uh, the impact <coughs> of uh, standardized approach for operational risk on European banks. Uh, <clears throat> given that the uh, consultation paper of the Basel Committee includes uh, the new model, uh, which reflects loss experience uh, for the formula, uh, the new approach could have significant uh, increase, influence to increase the capital charge uh, on European banks, including uh, Deutsche Bank, which could uh, suffer from uh, a significant amount of fine by the US authority. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. So perhaps um, I give the floor first to you. OK, uh, thank you. So I'll probably concentrate on uh, uh, those uh, Regulatory questions leaving the bank business model <laughs> to the bank questions to the bankers. Indeed, it's our duty to come up with a uh, predictable and uh, proportionate uh, uh, regulation. But we cannot, uh, of course, uh, decide business models for uh, uh, banks. So, on uh, some of the questions which were. Uh, 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 raised. Uh, first, on bank uh, profitability in general and on SME uh, loans. And uh, you mentioned also this issue of lots of uh, defaults on SME loans. Uh, there, I would uh, emphasize that, of course, it's all linked also to the broader EU economic uh, perspective. So if we uh, revive economic uh, growth, if we strengthen uh, the recovery, uh, of course, it uh, has positive implications uh, both uh, for a bank sector profitability, 
Uh, also, uh, it means uh, better performance and by the way, also more demand for uh, uh, SME loans. Uh, so it's uh, something uh, which will not be able to solve only looking at the bank sector, but we need to uh, look at the EU's economy. So that's actually why I started my uh, speech with uh, EU's economic policy uh, priorities. So uh, tomorrow we are adopting the new uh, uh, what we call uh, autumn economic uh, package. We are presenting the new annual growth survey setting the economic policy priorities, uh, but uh, basically the direction of these priorities in facilitating investment, in structural reforms to modernize our economies, in uh, responsible fiscal policies, so the main <coughs> elements uh, of our economic uh, policy priorities remain uh, uh, valid. And then uh, we need uh, to see also the banking uh, sector as part of this wider uh, economic uh, recovery. Uh, then on SME uh, uh, loans, uh, uh, so what we are practically uh, doing, we are uh, extending, expanding the use of uh, SME supporting uh, factor to also give uh, more incentives uh, for the banks to actually loan uh, uh, land uh, to the wider uh, economy. As regards the diversification, and you put it in a context of cross-border uh, cross banking uh, uh, activities, uh, indeed, it's one of the aims of the uh, banking union, and uh, 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 proposals we are putting in this context is exactly to uh, reduce uh, cross-border barriers and to ensure uh, more uh, uh, more cross-border financial uh, activity. Say, for example, if you look at the retail sector, only 3% of the uh, uh, people are using cross-border uh, financial services. So, so indeed, there is a uh, broad uh, potential for opening up. We know there are uh, regulatory uh, barriers. There are also regulatory uh, practices in different uh, member states, which uh, may uh, prevent uh, movement of uh, liquidity, and uh, indeed this is one of the issues we are uh, uh, looking at. Uh, of course, it's never uh, easy question because it uh, uh, often uh, for uh, for uh, uh, multinational banks uh, uh, touches up the question of between uh, relations between home and host authorities, and, and we know how uh, how uh, uh, sensitive this uh, uh, question is. Well, as, as the question you raised on uh, consolidation of the banking uh, uh, sector, it's not something we are explicitly uh, putting as an uh, uh, aim, which may be the banking sector uh, 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 response to certain economic uh, realities. Our regulatory aim is, of course, to ensure that banks are uh, well uh, uh, capitalized, with sufficient uh, uh, liquidities, with uh, uh, ability to uh, lend uh, to the economy. So this doesn't really uh, prejudge the size or number of the banks which uh, should be in the uh, 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 economy. Uh, then, uh, uh, to come back to the same uh, uh, question, uh, question of uh, continuously uh, changing uh, uh, legislation. Uh, well, there are certain uh, uh, things which we are now finalizing uh, in a context of uh, our reactions to the uh, uh, crisis. There are certain things we are implementing now in a context of uh, international agreements, the uh, work of Basel, of Financial uh, Stability Board, but I uh, agree that at a certain stage we should arrive at some kind of a, a, a steady uh, state uh, and uh, 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 to ensure that there is a more stability in our uh, regulation after this very major overhaul which we uh, had to do after the uh, financial uh, uh, crisis. And I will leave those questions which you asked for over-branching and measures and, and so once again to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. And this question of transition and, uh, yeah. and uh, front-loading. Uh, yeah. This uh, uh, indeed is something uh, which we are uh, seeing. That's why we're so much in, uh, emphasizing that uh, globally, for example, in Basel, we need to reach an agreement. We need to uh, reach a balanced agreement. 
uh, and uh, it's uh, uh, clear that we cannot just deviate or uh, try to solve some problems through long uh, uh, transition uh, periods because uh, markets will uh, uh, anyway uh, front load those requirements or use those uh, requirements while uh, assessing the bank sector uh, performance. So uh, uh, it's, 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 it's very uh, clear. Uh, uh, issue. Then on this uh, question which was asked on TILEC uh, MREL uh, and uh, creditor uh, 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 hierarchy, uh, new creditors uh, class, indeed uh, uh, it, it will be uh, part of our uh, proposals also to come up with a harmonized uh, new uh, uh, creditors, uh, uh, so to say, class. Uh, uh, which uh, would meet uh, TLAC and EMREL uh, requirements. And we also will, come, uh, will be coming uh, with the proposals on this uh, creditor uh, hierarchy. So indeed this will be, uh, uh, it, it's part of the, our work. Then you asked on this question of BRD versus state support. Well, uh, this uh, is, um, uh, uh, this is a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a controversial uh, issue, but uh, BRRD was introduced uh, exactly uh, uh, to ensure uh, that taxpayers are not the first ones to pay for a banking sector mistakes. That was a main idea. That's why the principle of uh, bail-in was uh, uh, introduced. So uh, uh, to be very clear, uh, uh, European Commission thinks we need to work within uh, our existing and recently set uh, legislative framework. As I uh, was saying uh, uh, also during my speech, that this year are some voices for watering down this framework. Uh, uh, we uh, don't think it will be uh, the right uh, path, but we also see that there are ways to address uh, uh, the issues, including non-performing uh, issues within our uh, existing uh, uh, legislative uh, framework. And there are also certain avenues which are outlined in the very same BRD uh, legislation how uh, it can be uh, done. Uh, then uh, on this uh, Spanish uh, question, I would say this was a specific uh, 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 question. Well, uh, if there was a reference to ongoing uh, court cases, uh, it's uh, something we uh, cannot comment right now. We need to uh, await for the uh, outcome of uh, uh, outcome of uh, 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 of those uh, uh, courts, but to uh, outline this uh, broader securitization issue, uh, uh, to, uh, we already have a uh, securitization uh, proposal on uh, table dealing with uh, uh, simple, transparent, and standardized uh, uh, securitization. Uh, and among other things, uh, uh, in uh, ensuring that uh, uh, banks can uh, securitize their uh, products, including uh, uh, mortgage loans you had been uh, asking, and uh, 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 sell them to the capital markets. That's how banking sectors had been uh, working in a number of places, like in US, it's a very uh, common model why EU banks have a large uh, balance sheet. Exactly this is one of the reasons that they uh, keep bulk of the loans they issue on their balance sheets. Uh, whereas in uh, uh, US it's uh, sold either to capital markets or to the special entity, Freddie Mac, uh, and banks are actually not uh, holding all uh, the loans uh, uh, issued uh, on their balance sheets. Of course it, uh, raises a uh, number of uh, regulatory and uh, legislative uh, uh, questions which then need to be uh, uh, dealt with. But that's, uh, that's the basic idea also behind our securitization uh, uh, proposal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, final uh, question was on Basel uh, III, on completion of the Basel uh, uh, III. On, uh, um, standardized uh, approaches versus bank internal uh, uh, models, uh, capital requirements. Well, uh, our position uh, has not uh, changed on this. Uh, first, uh, we are emphasizing that uh, we need uh, to, uh, to follow up what has been agreed in Basel itself, that completion of the Basel III, and that's why it's called completion of the Basel III, 
should not lead to the significant overall increases in the capital requirements. It, it's one thing. Uh, and uh, second, uh, uh, that it should uh, maintain the <coughs> risk sensitivity of the capital uh, requirements, meaning that banks which pursue less risky business models have less uh, uh, capital charges and vice versa. Those uh, which are having more risky business models have more capital uh, uh, charges. Uh, and uh, uh, this approach has been uh, uh, endorsed by EU finance ministers in uh, July uh, ECOFIN, and once again we discussed it in ECOFIN in uh, uh, September, and this is approach uh, with uh, which uh, uh, we are addressing this issue in the Basel uh, Committee. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'll be very brief. I, one, I think the Commission has been quite comprehensive. And two, I know uh, the Commissioner has to go, but uh, maybe just two, two issues which in terms of both consolidation and cross-border activity that would, I think, help a lot in the European context. Those is one, uh, resolving the legacy issue and the N uh, NPLs. Uh, complex issue, various ideas have been put forward. It would help a lot if there is a cross-border approach to this rather than country by country. Very difficult to do in the European context, but uh, if it is to be uh, country by country, it requires willingness of the banks and the authorities. It requires adequate capital buffers, and it requires a supporting legal framework along the lines that the Commissioner has been advocating as part of the Capital Markets Union. Uh, so you need all of that. The other issue, which I think would help in terms of both the business models and cross-border activity and consolidation, is the reliance of European banks on, the, on uh, uh, sovereigns in terms of the magnitude of sovereign bonds that they have on their balance sheet. Um, again, that issue needs to be addressed. There are a number of ideas on the table. I know both Bruegel has written on this, academics have written on it, uh, the Commission is working on it. Uh, but you need to have a solution to that. Uh, consolidating or purchasing mergers and acquisi uh, ac uh, ac uh, acquisitions of banks which have large NPLs and large portfolios of uh, sovereign bonds is very difficult to do. Indeed. Okay, uh, let me thank both of you, um, Vice President and Reza, very much for this thoughtful exchange. Thank you.